You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Go ahead and turn with me to John 14. Let's just jump in. John 14. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. First off, that worship was amazing, wasn't it? Woo. Guys, don't take that for granted. That was powerful. I love it. I love it. I, um, I want to talk. We're in the season between um, resurrection and Pentecost. And I think Pentecost Sunday is June 5th. I think this year is June 5th. So we're in that gap season. And I would really encourage you. A lot of us, we, get, we, love, we love, and which is powerful, we, we focus on Easter weekend, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then Jesus rose from the dead, and he spent 40 days teaching on the kingdom of God in a resurrected body. Who would like to have been a part of that conference? These three, right over here. I would too. <laughs> anyway, anyway. I, it, it blows me away. And we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit today because Jesus' last night with his disciples. We're going to, I'm going to go back just a little bit. We're called the upper room based out around the upper room night that Jesus had with his disciples in John 13 through 17. And in John, one of the, the things that hits me is that in Jesus' last night with his disciples, he spends the majority of the night talking about Holy Spirit. He's going to emphasize the Holy Spirit. He's going to emphasize his ministry. He's going to comfort their hearts. They have been with him for three and a half years. They've been with him and they, they, they are so connected to him and he is preparing them for his departure. And he's preparing them for his departure and he's and in essence saying, guys, it's about to get a lot better for you. I've actually, with me on the earth, there's been a ceiling over your experience. But with me getting to the throne, I'm going to blow open the heavens so that what I've been encountering with Abba, you can now partake in fellowship with me in the fellowship of the Godhead. You can join us in this Trinitarian love and fellowship and communion. He'll actually use the phrase in John 16, 7, advantage. It's to your advantage that I go away, which means it's about to get a lot better for you when I get to the throne and blow open the heavens and pour out the Holy Spirit so you can, hey, join us. <laughs> I love it. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. And I want to invite you in this season into a fresh leaning in and communion, friendship, and waiting on a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I feel confidence in my heart that God wants to release a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on every one of you. He wants to visit you and anoint you afresh. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, I think about Him in three ways. I think about Him as being with us. In John 14, can you put John 14, 16 up here? I'm just going to jump right into it. This is Jesus' last night, and Jesus says, guys, I'm going to go, and I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to give you another helper. Everybody say, I need help. (laughs) He goes, I'm going to send you so much help because you guys need help. I'm looking at you. You're not that smart. You ain't got a lot going for you. He goes, therefore, all of heaven is going to get in your corner to help you. The word helper is literally in the Greek, paraclete. 
He's the paraclete. Everybody say paraclete. He's the helper, the counselor, the advocate. He is the one who has come alongside of us to help us in the call of God and in the mission. He goes, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to give you another helper that he may abide with you. How long? Forever. Holy Spirit is not a band-aid till Jesus comes back. Holy Spirit is your eternal roommate. A lot of us just say, okay, well, we got Holy Spirit until Jesus comes back. Then it really gets good. He goes, no, you need to understand, you have an eternal roommate living on the inside of you. Look at the next verse, 17. He says this, the Spirit of truth, I love that, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him. Everybody say him. You know why he says him? Because he's a person. He's a person. He's not a feeling. He's not a fuzzy or a force field. He's a person. And he's God. And he's as much God as Abba is God. And as Jesus is God. Holy Spirit is God. I love it. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you. And look at this. He will be in you. I want to, okay, first off, just feel that. <laughs> I don't want to extract, I just want you to feel it. He will be with you and he will be in you. He's with you and he will be in you. Okay? Look at verse 18. He says this, I won't leave you orphans. I will come to you. How will you come to us, Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit? Do you know you have more access to heaven now than if you'd have been a disciple with, G with Jesus when he was on the earth? You have more access to the realm of heaven right now than if you'd have been a disciple when Jesus was on the earth. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm coming to you. And I'm coming to you. And actually, he goes, guys, you need to understand there are limits in our relationship. With Jesus on the earth, he goes, I can relate with you one-on-one -on -one in limited locales because of the restraint of living in a human body. But now I'm going to the throne. And now through the third person, through my spirit, I'm now going to come live on the inside of all of you. And when you're scattered throughout the earth, I'll be talking the same thing to you scattered all across the earth. There will be no limitations in my connection with you, in my communication to you, in my comfort to you. But I'll be touching you in the four parts of the earth. Isn't that amazing? That touches me. John 5, Jesus spends the whole night and he keeps bringing them back to Holy Spirit. Keeps bringing them back to Holy Spirit. So that on, on the three ways that I think about the Holy Spirit is I think about him with us. I think about him in us, which is what we received at the new birth. And then we're going to talk thirdly about him upon us. With us, in us, and upon us. And let's just because just I want you to see this night, John 15, 26, put this verse up. The whole vine and branches is about, he goes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You're in me and I'm in you. And he's talking about our indwelling and our connection with the vine. And we're the branches. And he, and he gives us a call to abide in him. And then he, he comes at the end of it. He goes, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father... The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. John 16, 7, he says, 
It's to your advantage that I go away. Now go with me to John 16, 12. And John 16, 7, I, I'm just going to reference it. It's not what I'm going to put up here. But John 16, 12, Jesus says, I still, he, he, he first says this. He says, when he comes, he goes, it's to your advantage that I go away. For when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And he says, I have many things to tell you. Yeah, when he's coming, he's convicted the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Which, I love this because Jesus is leaving these fearful, weak Jewish uh, disciples. And he goes, guys, I'm handing the kingdom over to you. Everybody's going to hate you. The Jews are going to hate you. The Romans are going to hate you. You're going to be the enemy of the state. And I'm bringing you into the kingdom, and I'm anointing you. And he goes, we're not going to put AK-47s in your hand. We're not going to, you're not going to fight with the weapons of this world. I'm going to come, and I'm going to send the artillery of heaven, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to fight for you because he will convict the world around you. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will highlight the sinfulness of sin and make the disparity between righteousness and sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father, and of judgment. Keep going with me, verse 9. Are we good? I'm going in anyway. Verse 10, here we go. Keep going. And Then the ruler of this world is judged. I love that. Verse 12, I love this one. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He goes, guys, I really wish I could unpack some stuff, but all your hard drives would just start melting. You would just start frying because you don't have the operating system yet to handle what I want to say. You don't have the internal mechanism called the indwelling spirit to deal with what I'm about to unpack on you. You'd all just boom. You can't bear it now. You can't bear it. Verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into how much truth? All truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Now think about that. Holy Spirit is submitted to the Father and the Son. But whatever he hears, he will speak. Here's a question I want you to start asking the Holy Spirit. Well, first off, who's he talking to? Now here's your new prayer. What are you hearing? Holy Spirit, what are you hearing? What are you guys talking about? I want to know. Make that a simple prayer of yours. Holy Spirit, what are you and the Father and the Son talking about? You told me that whatever you hear, you will speak. Tell me. Tell me. He will tell you things to come. If you want to get prophetic, get near the prophetic spirit. Become friends. There is, fr- there is prophetic out of gifting, and there's prophetic out of friendship. There is prophetic out of gifting, and there's prophetic out of friendship. Friends get secrets. John the Beloved found out who the betrayer was because he had his head against Jesus' chest. And he got the greatest secret ever, who's the betrayer. There is a prophetic spirit for friends in proximity who are intimate with the Holy Spirit, you will get stuff nobody else gets because of proximity. And he will tell you things to come. Verse 14. 
He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Holy Spirit loves to brag on Jesus. Holy Spirit loves to glorify and magnify Jesus. He is the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit that kicks your behind. He's the Spirit that brings alignment. And Jesus comes and He spends the majority of this night preparing them for the coming of the Holy Spirit. He dies on the cross, resurrects from the grave, and then go with me to John 20. I want to see this. Pastor Jeremy spoke on John 20 last week, and I just love John 20. It's actually been my verse for 2022. Jesus shows up to them. When they're all locked away, they're afraid. They're afraid. They, they didn't know what was happening. Many of them were in much unbelief, even after the angel told Mary to go tell the disciples. It took three rounds before they could get it through their skull. Jesus is really raised from the dead. And then he showed up within a, a room that they had locked themselves in. And Jesus says, guys, do y'all believe yet? Put your fingers here. Put your fingers here. Put your finger here. He says, don't you believe it yet? And then in John 20, 22, this is my word for 2022. I've been saying it all year. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Everybody say, he breathed on them. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> 2022 is our year where Jesus breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, I believe the disciples were born again right here. I believe this was their born again experience. They were not born again until Jesus showed up, and it's almost like it's Adam in the garden where Adam is completely lifeless and the Lord breathed into his nostrils and Adam became a living being. And now the last Adam is coming and is breathing upon his disciples and he's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Because in the garden, what did he tell them would happen if they ate from the forbidden tree? They would die. Did they immediately physically die? What died? Their spirit died. So, and then what followed was their physical death because their spiritual connection to God died. And so the glory of the new birth is that which was dead, he now breathes his life into, and now the spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of us. Who has given your life to Jesus? Three, these three? It's not Easter. Can we, can we give an altar call? Come on. I, I love to talk about indwelling spirit. Indwelling spirit, friends. The revelation of the indwelling spirit is what will cure your loneliness. The revelation of the indwelling spirit is what will cure your rejection. This is what will cure your sense of having to do Christianity in your own strength, wisdom, power, ability, and resource. We actually have someone living on the inside of us. You got that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. You need to thank God you didn't blow up in your sleep last night. No, no, I'm serious. You don't have smoke coming out of your ears right now. Your little five foot whatever frame has the third person of the Trinity dwelling on the inside. And you're just walking around smiling. The human body. What does it say about the human body? That God has chosen the body to dwell in. 1 Corinthians 6, he says, the Lord is for the body and the body for the Lord. He's created your body like a temple. 
the outer court, which is the world that engages with the world around us, the inner court, which is our soul life, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and deep within us is the Holy of Holies. And that's what He filled with His glory at the new birth. He filled with His glory. We have God living on the inside of us. The glory of the old covenant is God with man and God to man. The glory of the new covenant is God in man. God in you. Colossians 1.27, I said it, but you didn't hear me. This is the mystery which we preach among the Gentiles. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christianity is not outside in, it's inside out. And we live from the inside out. And when you turn Christianity into trying harder and working a little bit more and being better, you're working in the, in the flesh. You're living in the flesh. Live from the Spirit, from the work of God that's been settled. Receive that breath. I picture myself, John 20, 22, every morning. I'm sitting there dry toast. And I say, breathe into these nostrils. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I love to start every day. I'm bringing nothing but just dust. <laughs> I never graduated from that. All right, that's fun. I love it. So he breathes on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't even stop with indwelling. He's going to now prepare them. He's going to spend 40 days, 40 days in a resurrected body giving a conference, teaching. I don't know when he slept, how he slept, or how he would give breaks, or what it looked like, but Jesus was walking around blowing people's minds for 40 days. He was doing road to Emmaus, walking within doors, eating food, and it not falling out but actually a human body and a resurrected body that can contain food. It gives you insight into the glory of our resurrected body. He's the firstborn among many brethren. The glory of the resurrection. It's powerful. Now go with me to Acts chapter 1. Now we're about to have fun. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Acts 1 is good stuff. This is where I want you living in the next 40 days, okay? Between now and June 5th. Okay, it's May 1st and June 5th, whatever that is, 33, 34 days. All right, Acts 1, verse 3, wherever we're at. And I'll pull it up. We got to, all right. Oh, I love this. To whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 40 days. Next verse. Here we go. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say wait. He said, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus quoted what, do you know, that's the most quoted uh, reality that John spoke about through all four Gospels is the fact that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you know that's the most quoted, more than Lamb of God, Bridegroom, Messiah, is baptizer and Holy Ghost. 
That's John's favorite revelation of Jesus is baptizer. He goes, you're going to, not be, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They, they, they knew the prophets. They knew what Isaiah and Jeremiah had promised concerning Messiah ruling the nations from Jerusalem. So they're thinking, now's the time. It's time to overthrow Rome and get this party started. So they said, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus goes, well, I'm about to blow some of your paradigms. Verse 7. He says this. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power. Power. When the Holy Spirit, look at this, has come upon you. Indwelling is for you. Upon you is for the world around you. Indwelling is what you receive. But there's a waiting to prepare for the upon. He says he will come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Guys, I want to call you. I love it. I, I love to bask in the finished work and in the indwelling spirit and in the life of God on the inside of me. But there is, I want to call you over the next 33 days into an active waiting for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon your life. Because it didn't even stop on the day of Pentecost. Do you know that? He was giving them the model to prepare, which means this. If you want, if you want me to fill greater areas of your life, it's going to require for you to make room on the inside of you so that I can come and fill that temple. I'm not going to fill a full house. I'm not going to fill a full house. You must begin to make room on the inside, and it's called waiting on the Holy Spirit. Now, in one sense, we got it all, but there are fresh anointings, fresh outpourings, fresh visitations, and you can't just live in the memory of a five-year-ago visitation. Whenever God wants to visit you afresh, it requires a fresh waiting, a fresh preparation, a fresh repentance, a fresh removal of things that worked in the last season but won't work in this season. Well, you're like, well, God's all going to do it. He is going to do it, but he don't dance with mannequins. You do part. Well, brother, I don't want to strive. This isn't earning the Holy Spirit. This is honoring the Holy Spirit. And you're making room because you understand the glory of what you're receiving. He's not any passerbyer that throws more to everybody that's already full. But he responds to hunger. You shall receive power when Holy Spirit's come upon you. I really believe God wants to release the anointing of power on every one of you. Luke 24, 49. Just put that up there because it's fun. Luke 24, 49. I love this verse. This is the same way that Jesus said Acts 1, 4. Luke 24, 49. Luke 24, 49. He says, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. There, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Endued with power from on high. Waiting for the Holy Spirit. Waiting on the Holy Spirit. 
Can you put Isaiah 64, verse 4 up here? And you're like, man, you give a lot of verses. Because I ain't making this stuff up. That's what I'm trying to let you know. I'm not just coming up with a couple of, well, this fits for me. Now, this is how, this is what the Bible says. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God beside you who acts for the ones who wait for him. Waiting on God is not the twiddling of your thumbs in inactivity. It is intentional. It's engaged. It's preoccupied. Preparation for the more of God. I want to say something to everyone in here. There is more. There is more. There is more. There is more. And do you know it didn't even stop with the day of Pentecost? Do you know two years later they were back in a room that God filled himself? Are y'all with me? Can I talk about this? Can you be fully at rest? Can you be fully at rest? Because what I found in my life, even with Jesus, Jesus received sonship at his baptism. That was the free gift. But then he went into 40 days of fasting... 40 days of contending, 40 days of pressing, filled with the Spirit, but Luke 4 says that he returned in the power of the Spirit. What happened between him going in filled, sonship, open heaven over him individually, and God blowing open a region, Galilee, with a corporate open heaven? I love my open heaven, my individual open heaven. I rest in that. I got access right now to lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, you know, uh, evangelize and see the lost. I can move in all kinds of individual open heaven right now. What I believe God's wanting to raise our expectation for is for the more that breaks open over regions, over our communities, over our families. God wants to release such an anointing, a fresh anointing upon your life that your kid down the hallway feels it. That's what I'm talking about, atmospheres being changed. Atmospheres in your home being changed because of a fresh anointing, because of fresh fire, because of a fresh visitation of God where He lays hold of you and you shake in your bed at night. Or you wake up at 4.30 consecutively over every morning and you don't know why you're up, but your spirit's buzzing. It's God's preparation for the room. God will get you up at 4.30 consecutively for six nights. What are you doing, God? I'm preparing. I'm preparing. Well, God, I'm tired. I know. God, I'm tired. I know. There's something about hunger that humbles you. There's something about hunger that purifies you. There's something about hunger that... uh, uh, I had other words. <laughs> Let me see if I can clarifies is another word it clarifies the fire of God will burn within you before it burns upon you if you ever really start getting hungry for God I want you to know blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness you will be filled well brother I got it all right now do you? do you? we do and we don't We do right now, legally, and what I have before the throne, 
But there is a real aspect of humility and hunger that prepares for a fresh release. And this does not contradict the new covenant. This enforces it. The the early disciples were in that upper room for 10 days. Acts 1.14. Can you put that up there, Asai? Asai. Acts 1.14. This is what they were doing for those 10 days. And then I'm going to pray for you. We're going to go just a little bit more. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You know, Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him during his life. But do you know Jesus showed up to his brothers after his resurrection and got them in the game? I love Jesus for that. He goes, I know it's hard being my brother, being with me. It says that in 1 Corinthians 15 that he showed up to a bunch of them and then he showed up to James. He showed up to brothers. I'd have loved to have been a fly on that wall to hear, it's okay. And then he makes James the main leader over the church in Jerusalem. (laughs) I love that. So this is what they're doing for 10 days. One accord. Everybody say one accord. There's something of the power of one accord, which means unity. Unity in the spirit. Unity in the pursuit. Unity in the expectation and the preparation for the promise of the Father. Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. And that's what they're doing. And then we see Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And it came to pass when the day of Pentecost had fully come. I love this. We've been in meetings for the last three or four months. I guess five months. Talking about the dwelling place of God. Is it a place or a people? And I would say it's both. They were all with one accord in one place. A people unified, galvanized around the same reality, have been prepared, have been humbled, have been absolutely decimated and then comforted by the resurrection of Jesus. He showed up to them, he's comforted them, he's taught them, and he's prepared them. He got them all in the same room. So there's a one accordness, there's a unity of purpose. And then they're in the same place. And when they were in the same place with one accord, broken and brought about, God taking them through all the things, and they're going, come. Look at what happens, verse 2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I love that because they were probably exhausted. And it probably might have not even been that awesome. They're just sitting. And he shows up. And you know what happened. Tongues of fire, verse 3, appeared to them, divided tongues of fire, and one set upon each of them, verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Go ahead and put Acts 4.31, and then then I'm going to speak, and then we'll pray for you. I didn't give you this one, but Acts 4.31. Do you know two years later, John and Peter healed the man at the beautiful gate. The Sanhedrin looked at the guys and said, stop it. And they go, we're not going to stop it. And he goes, yes, stop it. We're not going to stop it. Fine. They beat him a little bit. They go back to the, the church. And they lifted their voice to God. And they said, Lord, you've exalted Jesus. Now look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, 
The place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, brother, they were filled two years ago. Didn't they get it all then? No. There's more. There's more. Well, brother, they got it all then. No, no. There's more. And friends, there's always more. There's always fresh anointings, fresh fire, fresh witness, a fresh release of the fire of God upon your life. You can't live in the embers of a, of a season five years ago. God wants to wreck you, and it usually starts with him convicting you, provoking you, saying, hey, buddy, you can't live on the reputation. There's fresh fire waiting on you. I want to give you fresh fire. Well, Lord, I'm not a preacher to pull. I don't care. It has nothing to do with what, what, what your calling or sphere is. God just wants to fill you with this fire. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And do you know another 5,000 were added in Acts 4? We just say that casually. 5,000 new converts just swept in when you get a fresh release. When you get a fresh release, fresh fire comes upon your life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. I want the filling of God. I, want fr- I never want to live in the memory of what I was or where I was. I believe there is more. I'm not earning it. I'm honoring it. And I'm so grateful I'm completely at rest under the shade tree of the finished work. And the work of God within me says there's more. Make room for more. I want to absolutely possess you. I want to consume you. I want you walking around in the grocery store singing in the Holy Ghost. I want you walking with a smile that knocks depression off a cashier. Uh, That's one of my favorite things are smiles that break depression. Holy Spirit. I love to share a story. One of my heroes is John G. Lake, who was a Pentecostal dude way back in the 1900s, a Pentecostal father. He was from Chicago, an insurance salesman guy, like title insurance, was making $50,000 a year in 1904. That's a lot of money. And he got absolutely consumed by God, ended up moving off to Johannesburg, South Africa, and they were just blew the region up with the gospel. It was amazing. Well, there was a, uh, John G. Lake was talking about in one of his messages called Spiritual Hunger. And he talked about a butcher by the name of Dan Von Vuren. Okay? And Dan Von Vuren was a butcher who went to the doctor, and the doctor says, you have tuberculosis. You got so many months to live, you need to get ready because uh, you're about to die. You get your affairs in order. And so he, Dan was hearing about John G. Lake's revival in that region, Pretoria, uh, Johannesburg, and, and what all God was doing in the region. And he goes underneath an African thorn bush. And he says, God, I've heard what you've been doing for this person and how you healed that person and how you did something for that person. If you can do it for them, I know you can do it for me. And he said at that moment, a wind blew through that African thorn bush, went into his lungs, and went right out of him. And he knew he was healed of tuberculosis. Well, Dan had like seven or eight kids. His wife was an unbeliever. He had been trying to work on Jesus with her and try to get her there. He walks home after this encounter and looks at his wife. And his wife falls to the ground and says, pray for me, Dan. i got to find Jesus right now. 
He began to have a ministry called going and looking at people. He would go into different governmental officials. And, he, and, and one of their names was like Louis Botha. And he says, I, I've known Dan since he was a kid. He said, he walked in my office and I started shaking in my chair. And I fell to the ground as the spirit of conviction came upon my life. Pray to get hungry. Ask God to make you the hungriest person alive. Ask God to begin to make room for Pentecost. Ask God to make room in you for Pentecost. Ask God to begin to make room because hunger purifies. Hunger burns the chaff. Hunger exposes the frivolousness of our lives. Hunger is a great sanctifier. Hunger is a great preparer. Hunger is a great, you know, it just prepares. Pray to get hungry. It's the gift that God always answers is this simple prayer. Make me the hungriest person alive. He wants to possess you with his spirit. He wants to fill you. He wants to take little dorky you and turn your smiles into explosions. He wants to take little weak you. He wants to deliver you from you and release fire upon your life. Let's ask him to fill us afresh. Let's prepare. You've got 30 days. Take this season. A waiter in a restaurant isn't sitting over there playing Candy Crush on their phone. They don't need to be. A good waiter is one who is intentionally preoccupied with you and your table. I want to call you into an intentionality and an intentional making room in your schedule. Making room in your life and setting apart some time to wait on God. Waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. There is always more. There is always more. Just because I love this. Can you put Ephesians 3, 16 through 20? Ephesians 3, 16 through 20. Uh, we, got, we got three minutes. We'll get you out there in a little bit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. God is rich to be strengthened with might. I love this because you got to get prepared for something. You got to get prepared, strengthened on the inside with might through his spirit in your inner man. Look at this, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Dwelling is not just a small room in your cabin of your heart, it's a fullness, it's dwelling. Dwelling in your heart through faith that you would be rooted and grounded in love and that you would be able to comprehend width, length, depth, height. Verse 19. That you would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Here it is. And that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Who would love to be filled with all the fullness of God? And I I, I believe he wants to fill us. Amen, let's stand. It's love love is the power. 
The greatest manifestation of the Holy Spirit is the love of God. John G. Lake talks about his story of his baptism in the Spirit. This is what just blew me up in the early days, Jay. In the early days, he operated in healing for like 10 years. And everybody around him says, praise God, John, you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he said this phrase that has forever rocked my life. He says, I heard them and I appreciated it, but my soul knew that it was on the borderland of a great expanse. And I was not fully satisfied till I crossed over. And there was a day to where him and another man went to pray for a woman with rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, John comes in there and his friend is over there praying for the lady. So he's sitting in a chair. They're over there praying for the lady. And he's just sitting there crying saying, God, I want more. I want more. And the Lord says, I've seen your tears. I've heard your cries. You're now to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. He said he then felt a warm tropical rain begin to flow through him. And the warm tropical rain turned into volts of electricity. And the power of God just began to pulsate through his body. And it was at that time that his friend told him to come up and pray. He stood five feet, five feet from the woman, pointed at the woman. The power of God hit her, hit the friend. He flew back five feet. And he goes, praise God, John, you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. John says that the greatest manifestation was the love of God and compassion that laid hold of him for people. The greatest manifestation of the Holy Ghost baptized life is the deep love and compassion. It's other people. It's, it's the upon you for others. It's the upon you for others. Open up your hands. I just want to pray that God will begin to make room on the inside of you. Lord, I just pray right now. I thank you for Upper Room Frisco. I thank you for all you're doing in this house. And Father, I pray right now that you would begin to prepare. That you would prepare. That you would prepare room. That you would prepare room on the inside. Jesus said in John 14, 21 and 23, whoever hears my voice obeys my commands. He goes, I will manifest myself to them. And me and my Father will come into him and dine with him. I pray for a strange hunger to lay hold of every person in this room. I pray for a strange, gnawing hunger. I pray that you would disrupt sleep patterns. Oh, you're like, I don't know if I received that. <laughs> I get it. Lord, just give it, you know, give like a 2%. Two, 2%. I'll take it. But, I, you know, Lord, if you can get me in dreams too, take that. <laughs> Whatever you need to do, Jesus. But God, I just pray, I'm yours. Luke eleven thirteen. if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's a good father. And, he, and when you seek him, you will be found by him. And when you draw near him, he will draw near you. I ask you to birth that, that God cry. That's what I call it, the God cry. God, I pray that in the God cry that you would pour out your spirit on every home in this room. That you would pour out your spirit on every person in this room. And that it would touch marriages. And it would touch our children. It would touch finances and physical bodies. 
It would touch relationships. It would shift seasons. I pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come and to visit your people, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey. Thank you, Jesus. The word of God will come with boldness. This is what happens with the baptism of the Spirit is the same simple phrases now comes like a hammer. Hey. The I love you. Jesus loves you. Comes like a hammer. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us now. You're a good father. Fill us now. Fill. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing we love. We'll talk about Jesus. We love the death and resurrection, but we don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. He just breaks boxes. Uh, who's hungry? Lord, I bless Upper Room Frisco with hunger, and I pray that you would just break in Jesus in this season. Just take 30 seconds and everybody just lift your voice and ask him right now to fill you. Come on. Ask him to fill you right now.